0: Thank you, Jack. Choir, orchestra, Brother John. Take your Bible, go to Acts 28. We'll begin reading in a moment in verse 16. We're coming today to look at Paul's last recorded sermon in Acts. And we'll see. It's not the last sermon he ever preached, of course. He had two years here in Rome. And so you're finding your text in Acts 28. We'll begin in verse 16. While you're turning there, let me remind you that next month is september and it's million dollar september and we're praying that uh we'd raise a million dollars plus and we'll pay off the rest of the early learning center out here and that will free up monies a lot of money uh to go to help the least of these through our ministry village and so i encourage you uh that you give everybody can give something and so on your designated spot you give what you can the million dollar september you just write that in there and give and then we're praying that 90 people would give a 10,000 or more one-time gift uh, to this to get us started and down the road. Had uh, several coming, telling me this morning of that. So I encourage you, next month is the month to give it, and uh, we'll be about that. If you need any help in giving a creative way, way you could call the office. They'll help you with uh, stock and all, all that kind of stuff. I had a family come see me. Three siblings came and honored their mother who used to run the nursery here at the church, and they all gave thirty-three, thirty-three apiece, except for the one that they strong-armed to give thirty-three, thirty-four, and they uh, put that together and made their ten-thousand-dollar gift. And so, uh, you be a part of uh, that in any way that you can. Well, we come to Acts chapter 28. Now, you know Paul's been on this journey, and uh, he's been in jail, and he's in jail now, and then he's been in the storm, and we followed him in the storm, and the hurricane for two uh, weeks, and then he came to Malta, and now he's caught the ship, made his way to Italy, and he's arriving at Rome where he found him last week. And so I want to split the text in two parts and begin in Acts in Acts. Chapter 28, where he's in Rome, beginning in verse 16, we find Paul in the great capital city of Rome. And we'll read down through verse 22, and then we'll pause for just a moment and jump then to see what he had to say. But get the context first. In Acts 28, beginning in verse 16, you follow along, because this now is the word of our great God. When we entered Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who was guarding him. It's an interesting sentence, isn't it? He's by himself, but he's chained to a guard. So uh, he's not in the prison cell as such, and we'll see that in the last two verses uh, in a couple of weeks when we get down to it. But he's by himself with the soldier guarding him, and after three days Paul called together those who were the leading men of the Jews. And when they came together, he began saying to them, Brethren, though I had done nothing against our people, Or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. And when they had examined me, they were willing to release me because there was no ground for putting me to death. But when the Jews objected, I was forced to appeal to Caesar. Not that I had any accusation against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I requested to see you and to speak with you. For I am wearing this chain for the sake of the hope of Israel. They, the Jews, said to him, We've neither received letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any of the brethren come here and reported or spoken anything bad about you. But we desire to hear from you what your views are for concerning this sect. It is known to us that it is spoken against everywhere. So Paul is making his case to his fellow Jews that I'm not guilty, uh, but I want to talk to you." And they said, well we would love to hear you tell us more about that. Nobody's accused you, but we'd just like to hear your soul. And so in verse 23, a day goes by and we pick the text. And when they had set a day for Paul, they came to him at his lodging in large numbers. And he was explaining to them by solemnly testifying about the kingdom of God and trying to persuade them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and from the prophets and from morning until evening. Some were being persuaded by the things spoken, but others would not believe. And when they did not agree with one another, they began leaving after Paul had spoken one parting word. Word. This is the conclusion to the sermon. The Holy Spirit rightfully spoke through Isaiah the prophet to your father saying, go to this people and say, you will keep on hearing, but you'll not understand. You'll keep on seeing, but you'll not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull, and with their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will also listen. Paul set the date. They came in large numbers. He spoke to them. And when they got ready to leave, he used the text. He quoted the Old Testament prophet Isaiah from Isaiah 6, verses 9 and 10. And we find it right here in verses 26 and 27. Then Paul, who had written Romans already, quoted this text to them in his epistle to the Romans in chapter 11 and verse number 8. And he speaks to them about A dull heart, blind eyes, and ears that would not hear. In Romans 11, he said, their heart is in a stupor. That word stupor in the Greek New Testament can be translated prickled, prickly. What it means is like when you sit on your hand for too long, you've forgotten, and your hand goes to sleep. You feel that prickly feeling or your foot goes to sleep and you're, it's, you know, you say, get some blood. Is prickly. That's this word. Their heart has fallen asleep. Jesus used this four different times. It's in Matthew, it's in Mark, it's in Luke, it's in John. The Matthew, Mark, Luke is about the parable of the sower and the seed that the man went forth and the kingdom, he sowed seed and some fell on stony ground and shallow ground and... Weed infested, and then some fell on good ground. And Jesus used Isaiah 6 every time. And then in John's Gospel, chapter 12, uh, it's also used out of the teaching of Jesus when he talked about the heart, the eyes, the ears. So I entitle this message Pacemaker's bifocals and hearing aids it's what we need after the first service I had one of our older deacons walk out and shook my hand he said I've got all three of those I said amen the pacemaker their hearts dull the bifocals they are not seeing what God is showing their ears where they need a hearing aid they, They've become dull of hearing, and they are not listening. Dear friend, we are in an age where not only what Jesus was saying and Isaiah was saying that the Jews should believe and see and hear, but if they wouldn't go to the Gentiles, if the people of God would not hear. But hear me, we are in an age today in the American church where the church of the living God, their heart is in a stupor. Their eyes are not seeing. Their ears are not listening. Their heart is going after something else. Their eyes glitter for gold and the things of the world. And Their ears have been captured by a foreign sound rather than the clarion call. Of the things of God dear God wake us shake our heart shock our heart open our eyes and cause our deaf ears to know the things of God Paul is thundering about this and when he shared some believed amen but others no. Some would not believe, and some were persuaded. I ask you, and I will ask you again in a moment, which one are you, persuaded and believing or unbelieving unpersuaded? You're one of those. Paul gave a sermon. We don't have all of it. We just have an outline of it. We have his conclusion, but we have his points. This was a two-point message. I want you to notice it in verse 23, and I want us to see these two things. This is what Paul thundered about. Look at it in verse 23. And when they set a day for Paul, they came to him at his lodging in large numbers, and he was explaining to them by solemnly testifying about, number one, the kingdom of God, and trying to persuade them concerning, number two, the Son of God, Jesus from both the law of Moses and from the prophets. And notice, he tried to persuade them from morning until evening. You think I preach long? (laughs) He started in the morning, preached to dark. And they were listening, they were hearing, and Paul was teaching and going to the Old Testament and drawing out truth after truth after truth. Kingdom of God, Son of God, Kingdom of God, Son of God. Every Jew knew. That there was coming a Messiah, but they didn't believe it was the Christ. And here, Paul is saying, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is come, and Jesus is the Son of God. And some were persuaded, and some would not believe. Which one are you? Look at these two things for just a moment. Number one, Paul thundered about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the rule of God, established and acknowledged in the heart of sinners. That's all he's got to work with. We're all sinners. And when the kingdom of God is established and acknowledged in your heart and my heart, the kingdom is there. Now, there are various kinds of kingdoms in our world. There's a kingdom of darkness. That's the devil's kingdom. He's here and around. The domain of darkness, a kingdom of darkness. There's third, secondly, a kingdom of this world. According to Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, and verse number 5, there is a kingdom in this world. But then there is the kingdom of God. These kingdoms sit opposite each other and they uh, are in opposition and they are at battle. Dear friend, we, we live in a culture where the kingdom of this world has gone mad. Absolutely insane. They cannot add two and two together and get four. I've heard all my life run to the science, run to the science, run to the science, and now they throw science out the door. They tell you a man's not a man but a woman, a woman's not a woman but a man. They've, they've thrown science out the door studied all our life about chromosomes I'm a biology minor I, they made me learn this and now they tell me light is dark and dark is light there is a, a kingdom that we live in that is opposed to the kingdom of God When well, they tell you there's but one way to heaven In the church, they go, no, 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 no. There is no God. Even if you believe all the gods are equal. Paul didn't believe that for a moment. I don't believe it for a moment. There's a kingdom of darkness. There is the kingdom of God. I want to tell you some things about the kingdom. There are three things I want you to see about the kingdom. Number one. You enter the kingdom. You must have an entrance into the kingdom. Look in Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 15. Here's what the Bible says about the kingdom. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. How do you enter the kingdom? You enter like a child. In Matthew 18, Jesus teaches this, and they're having an argument. The disciples, we know they're Baptists just simply by the 18th chapter of Matthew. They're arguing who is the greatest in the kingdom. <laughs> Who's the greatest in all the Baptist church? That's me. And Jesus, the Bible says, brought a child, 10, 11-year-old boy. Set that child in front of them and said, unless you become like this child, you'll never enter the kingdom of God. Dear friend, you don't become childish but you must have childlike faith to enter the kingdom you believe like a child you don't have to be a great theologian you'll learn you you'll be a disciple and you'll be a disciple maker but but as you enter you enter the kingdom with childlike faith who's the great let me tell you Jesus is the greatest in the kingdom and we run to him and if you've never entered the kingdom if you're sitting on that top row today you never entered the kingdom If you're playing with your phone right now, put it down and enter the kingdom. All the way to the front row, whoever you are, come to the kingdom. Enter the kingdom today. Come in, the door is open. He says, welcome. If you will come with childlike faith, you enter the kingdom. But secondly, not only is the kingdom to be entered. Secondly, the kingdom is spiritual. It's not material. See, even the disciples were looking for a great warrior to come. But Paul wrote about the kingdom in Romans 14, verse 17. He says, first of all, what the kingdom is not. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. <laughs> we, we have to deal with that, don't we? Every time Baptists come together, we eat and drink. He's not against fellowship, not against eat, but he's telling you that it's not external. It's not what you eat. It's not whether you eat pork or don't eat pork. Not whether you're a vegan. The kingdom is not eating and drinking, but the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy. That's the spiritual side. You see, when you come into the kingdom, the Spirit of God then is in you, and you are made righteous before God. You you are given the peace of God that you know when you die, you're going to heaven. And while you're here, you're walking in His peace that passes all worldly understanding. And then there's joy, joy, joy. Some of y'all need to tell your face today that you got it. Hello. It's okay to smile when you come to church. Amen. See, the kingdom is spirit. It is from within, and it exudes itself. You can enter the kingdom. The kingdom is spiritual. Thirdly, the kingdom of God advances, advances. Look in the Word of God with me in Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, 30, 31, 32. You see it come up on the screen. Look at it. I'll just read it to you right up here. And he said, how shall we picture the kingdom of God? Or by what parable shall we present it? This is Jesus speaking. How how do we show it? How do we present it? Verse 31. It's like a mustard seed, which when sown upon the soil, though it is smaller than all the seeds that are upon the soil, watch this, verse 30, yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and forms large branches so that the birds of the air can nest under its shade. Notice that the king it's like a mustard seed. Right before this, he uses another uh, parable about the seed and the sower. See, the kingdom begins when you enter the Spirit of God is in you, but the kingdom of God is advancing and it is growing and it is mushrooming and it, and it is multiplying. That is our job. That's why we're going to Moldova. That's why we send out folks with the gospel across the city. It's because the kingdom, you plant the seed, it grows, and the birds come rest in the shade. We're not just a huddle together in some holy huddle. The kingdom advances, it, it goes and it spreads. I can't even remember which uh, this just entered my mind I get in trouble when things enter my mind while I'm preaching I, I can't even remember what to, what they're selling but uh, there's a family and they've got vine trouble and the vines come up grabs the popcorn out of their lap and throws the popcorn around and the father comes upstairs and the vines growing he's got the weed eater and he's gonna to try to kill the vine you getting it now you remember it comes on and the vine takes away the weed eater I don't know what they're selling but it's a stupid commercial but it got my attention well the kingdom of God is growing it's not here to steal you popcorn or to take you weed eater but the kingdom of God is here to go with what three things righteousness Man, did y'all forget point two righteousness joy and in the Holy Ghost. It's the kingdom. The kingdom of God is God's action in the world. He is alive. And Paul is just hammering about the kingdom, about the kingdom, about the kingdom. The kingdom of God. Enter it. If you've never entered it, I invite you to enter the kingdom today. The kingdom is within. The Spirit of God works within us. He'll make you righteous so you can stand before Holy God one day. He'll give you peace. He'll give you joy. Then he goes to point two. Not only is it the kingdom of God, but then he talks about the Son of God. Notice in verse 23, he was explaining to them by solemnly testifying about the kingdom of God and trying to persuade them concerning Jesus. This is the Son of God. And he's coming from both the law of Moses and the prophets, and he's saying to them, it's Jesus, 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 Jesus. Let me tell you guys, all, all of you scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees out there, let me tell you, I'm of the rabbinical tribe, and Paul is just praying, and he's quoting all the Old Testament books and the scriptures, and he's saying Jesus is in Genesis, and he's in Leviticus, and you'll find him in First Kings, and when you get to Isaiah and Ezekiel, let me show you Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. And I'm, he's just, he preached all day and night. And he's quoting all the word of God to them. It's what Jesus did when he was here. John 5 and verse 39. What did Jesus say about himself? You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these, the scriptures, that testify about me. And all they had was the Old Testament. All the old that should have sealed the deal for them right there. But then you go to John's Gospel chapter 8, verse 56, 57, 58. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, Jesus said. And he saw it and he was glad. And the Jews, the Jews said, you're not yet 50 years old. Yeah, Jesus just in his 30s. They said, you're not even 50 and you've seen Abraham? What did Jesus say? Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Not I was, I am. He always has been. He's the eternal one. It's Jesus. We say, well, you know, you guys just go to seed on Jesus. Well, you, we're guilty. We ought to be. He's the Alpha and the Omega. It's all about him. It's Jesus. From beginning to end, it's Jesus. You, you just sell out to Jesus. And some believed and some did not. That's our world today some are persuaded some are not some say yes and others say no way which one are you today persuaded or unbelieving say pastor I believe well good come tell me this morning come tell me you believe come put your life here come say I'm I'm ready I, I I'm all in I'm ready to get in the kingdom And follow the Son of God. Now, I look across this place and I see people I know that was out of the kingdom and got in the kingdom. Hallelujah. If you're here and you've never entered the kingdom, you come like a child. He'd save you today. I don't know who that kid is. But I know this Jesus took a child and said him and said, unless you believe like a child, you never see the kingdom. I want to see you in the kingdom. I want you to be here and go to glory there. If you've never said yes to him, I want you to get up and come. I'm going to stand right here, and John's going to sing a song. And when he sings that song, I want you to get up and come today. Say, yes, I want to be in the kingdom, and I want to follow the Son of God, the kingdom of God, the Son of God. And and, and Paul pressed the issue. They left. He is chained to a guard and they went back to the house where they were staying. I wonder what they talked about when they got back to the guard shack. I guarantee you Paul looked over at him and said, which one are you? Persuaded, or not and the Bible says over in the book of Philippians that the gospel was well known among the praetorian guard how would they get to know? they had to be chained up to this dude every eight hours they brought another guard in unlocked and hooked up every time one left Paul said fresh meat kingdom of God son of God some believe some did not which one are you or oh, today come to Christ come put your life in this you said "Priest, i I've already been saved be baptized yeah go with us we we'll baptize you in a couple of weeks down in the Gulf we'll do that we'll baptize you here next Sunday whenever you're ready we are so I've trusted him I'm ready or just come put your membership in this church and say, I've been saved baptized I want to come be a part Amen. Come today. Be right here. And we welcome you.